there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This work must be protected once it's begun to form in us. Because it's small, it's weak, and the false personality is big and it's powerful. And the false personality will squash this work in an instant if it's given the opportunity to do it. So this work has to be protected. The problem with us is, is that the only thing that can protect it is like putting the fox in charge of, the, in charge of guarding the hen house. The false personality is the only thing that can really protect it. Why? Because that's all we've got. What about essence? I've got essence. Okay, fine. Show me your essence and I'll show you your false personality. And you know who's going to have the easier job of that? I will because your false personality is everywhere. But your essence, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. We have a case of mistaken identity. We take ourselves for this work. When the work is forming in us, but it is not us, we think, well, I'm doing the work. I, I, I guess uh, this, this work is working in me. But the truth is, is that it's very small and it's just beginning to form and we think we are it when it's actually something that is beginning to be formed inside of us. A lot like impregnation and gestation. It's a lot like that. First, you are impregnated with the seed, the idea. Then, if everything works out right, and that's a lot of things that have to work out right, then there's a possibility of gestation, there's a possibility of growth. But that growth has to be protected. And when you think about all of the things that can hinder that growth, it's a miracle that people are born at all, especially today when we have so many things that hinder that growth. Recently, there's been a lot of talk about working or not working. And one of the things I've tried to get across is that working is great, but these grim faces and this heaviness that is going along with it is not what this work is about. Now, it may be what this work is about for some people, but it's certainly not what it's about for me. I'm all I've got, so this is it. From my perspective, this work needs to be light. It's heavy enough by itself. Our position in this world is heavy enough by itself. We don't need any more lead weights. We don't need any more ballast in our belts to get us down lower. What we need is something that can help buoy us up, something that can give us a little buoyancy. And one of those things is the right attitude. And it was like Steve said this morning, it just is the way it is. Now, there are a lot of ways of saying it is the way it is. You just accept things the way they are. There's a lot of, way of ways of accepting things the way they are. And not all of them, in fact, not many of them, are that positive. Hopelessness, despair, those are not positive ways of accepting things the way they are. But there are ways to be equanimous about something, to be even about something, without being thrilled about it, without being negative about it, just being equal, balanced about it. It is the way it is. It's not some other way. That's the way it is. But there is a lightness to that. 
Maybe not a positiveness to that, but there is a lightness to it. It's the lightness of being. There is a lightness to truly being. When you're not being, you tend to be heavier. When you are being, you tend to be lighter. Well, of course, we're always being, but we're not being here now. We're being there then. And we spend more time being there then than we do being here now. And there's a certain lightness about being here now. Nobody can work day and night. I don't care who you are. You cannot do it. And you're not supposed to do it any more than you're supposed to be awake 24 hours a day at your job seven days a week. Even if the job needs to be done 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you need to hire somebody else. You need to get somebody else on the job because you need eight hours of work, eight hours of play, and eight hours of rest or thereabouts. And if you're not doing that, you're out of balance. And if you're out of balance, it's just a matter of time before you go spiraling down and crash. You can't work day and night. You can be aware of this work in you by retaining your feeling of I. You retain your feeling of I. Can you retain your feeling of I? Well, no. You can't retain your feeling of I all the time. But you can retain your feeling of I more than you do now. Not all the time, but more than you do now. So rather than working all the time, why not just spend a little bit of energy and force retaining your feeling of I? Yes, I'm here. Here I am. I'm here. I'm not working now. I'm here. People think they need to work all the time. Thinking about working all the time is, in my opinion, a mistake. What I think needs to happen is you need to know that the work is in you and then let it be there. You don't have to go digging it up all the time and turning it. Know that it's in you, but it's not you. If you think that you work all the time, you're mistaken. That doesn't happen at our level. And I'm not sure it happens at any level because at some other level, some higher level, I expect that you don't have to work all the time. I expect that you get to spend more time being and less time working at being. Thinking about the work while you change a light bulb, for example, is rather silly because at that time, you're in mechanical eyes. So do you really want to be thinking about, do you really want the little mechanical eyes to be thinking about the work all the time? I mean, there's a certain time where that's necessary, okay. We've got to get the work first in the mechanical eyes of the intellectual center. That's the first place it's got to go. But once it's there, okay, it's time to move on. So when you're doing changing a light bulb or whatever, some little task, you don't need to be thinking about the work. What you need to be doing is changing the light bulb. What a concept. Do what you're doing when you're doing it? Wow. Yeah, do what you're doing when you're doing it. And so if you're doing something mechanically, then do it mechanically and be there for it. Just retain your feeling of I. Are you with me? Because you have these looks on your faces like you're wondering if I've fallen out of the nest. Sometimes it's work for you not to work. Some people, it's work for them not to work. For example, it's work for Jess not to get up and go do something, to run around in the moving center. Patty told me this morning that she went home, she's computer challenged, and I gave her some computer task. She went home last night to do it and, and she wasn't doing very well. And, and I heard her, I overheard her telling Lori, well, I started to do it, but it wasn't working and I just wanted to get up and go clean something. She said, but I stayed there and I made myself do it. That was work. And she got it. And then she felt that, I did it, I did it, I did it. That sense of accomplishment where you have the breakthrough, where you press through the difficult part and then you make it. And it's like, Yes, this is why I was doing this. And that's all fine. But 
my point is that there are times when what we need to be doing is just doing what we're doing, not worrying about the work. Just keep your feeling of I there. Know that the work is in you. Know the work is in me when I'm doing these things. Look, the work is in me. If there's anything for, for the work to do while I'm doing this little mechanical task, then it'll figure it out. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to fret over it. Are you with me so far? Good. It's, it's just a way of kind of giving things the light touch and not being so heavy and so serious and morose about all of this. Yeah, you're in the worst possible place you could be. Well, almost the worst possible place you could be in our ray of creation. You're, you're one rung above the dung heap, maybe. You know, it's a high dung heap. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Here you are in, in a very low place in our ray of creation with a lot above us, a lot of head space, a lot of place we can grow to. But we're not growing. At least we're not growing anywhere near the rate we'd need to be growing to fill up that headspace, to cover that headspace between where we are and where we could be. And so people get uptight and tense and frustrated. But that doesn't help. That just makes things worse. So I say, look, let it go. Just let it go. Retain your feeling of I. Look, I am still me. The work is still in me. I am not the work. I'm not the work. I don't have to do the work 24 hours a day. But the work is in me. And the work can work even when I'm not working. If I can just retain my sense of I, my feeling of I. If I can just stay here, if I can just be here, if I can just bring the best attitude that I can bring to something. If I can be as present as I can be with this task, whatever it may be. Either work or don't work. So if you're not going to work, then don't work. Remember that work is relatively conscious. If you can't be conscious, then don't work. Does this make sense? It's like, if you take this, if you are impaired, if your consciousness is impaired by something, don't operate a vehicle. You know, they have these little warning stickers all over everything. Don't operate the vehicle if you've done this. Don't operate the vehicle. You know, they have warning stickers on drugs on almost everything now because we need to be warned about everything. We're so asleep. We are going so asleep. Our world is going so far down. See, people think that they're progressing the people are becoming more intelligent, more conscious. That's not the case at all. The truth is we are more asleep than we've ever been. That's the truth. Our whole planet is more asleep than it's ever been. Oh, how could you say that? Easy. Open your eyes and observe it. You have to have a message written on a lawnmower telling you not to keep on pulling the cord in the hot sun if it doesn't stop because you're in danger of a heart attack? You're telling me that we're more awake? You have to be told that? We sue people because we fall in a hole in the ground? You're telling me we're more awake? Wouldn't more awake be walking around the hole instead of falling into it and suing someone? Wouldn't it be more awake to take responsibility for where you're walking rather than blame someone else for where you're walking? It would be more awake. But are we more awake? No. And there are a thousand others examples. We could go on and on and on, but why, why bother? If you can verify it in one thing in yourself, that should be enough for you to verify the truth of the idea. That's what you're here for. You're here to verify the truth of these ideas. If you can't verify the truth of the idea, then it's not a certainty for you. If it's not a certainty for you, then you have no point in the work there to work. You need to find a certainty, an idea that you are certain about. That is your center of gravity. That is your point of work. That's where you start from. That's where you work from. Are you with me? Good. Constant wrong associations with the work ideas isn't good. In the beginning, we have a lot of wrong associations with the work ideas. 
we read, for example, the, the, the book, The Fourth Way, that Ospensky's students put together. Ospensky didn't write that book. Ospensky's students put that together in whatever order they put it together. And it's a very difficult book, very intellectual, very difficult book. And people get a lot of negative associations about the work with that book, if that's their introduction to it, because they think it's all intellectual. It's just this big top-heavy system for geniuses, for people who aren't like us, for somebody else. And they get negative associations about it. That's not good. That doesn't help people with the work. So that's why I say, don't connect wrong associations with work ideas. Don't connect self-remembering with negative associations. How many people have delighted in telling the story about how they weren't awake? Oh, you have to tell the truth mm -hmm. now. Yeah, okay, so three hands, four, good for you, five, good, 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 good. See, that's what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is look at yourself. Yes, I've done that. <laughs> yep, I've done that. And hold your hand up. Don't hold your hand up halfway. Hold your hand up high. You know, stand up if you have to. And make it clear. You know, it's like Will Strunk said. Remember I told you what Will Strunk said? If you don't know how to pronounce it wor a word, say it loud. There's no sense in adding inaudibility to ignorance. I couldn't agree with him more. If you notice something about yourself, then make it clear. Why make it fuzzy? If you notice something about yourself, make it as clear as you can make it. Bring it into sharp focus. As sharp a focus as you can bring it into, don't leave it fuzzy. Don't leave it with lost edges. Make it well-defined because this helps your work. This helps you in your efforts to observe yourself and to find out what's really there. But you can't do that if you're identified. If you're identified, you won't stand up and say it loudly. You won't raise your hand high. If you're identified, you'll be ashamed of it. You'll lie about it. You'll pretend about it. That's not this work. That's not what this work is about. Esotericism is not about pretense. It's not about deception and lying. It's not about looking good. When we take a life situation as work, we behave more consciously according to our level of understanding. So you have a life situation. The tree fell on your car and smashed it. That's a life situation. Your normal reaction in that life situation is, ah, I hope we have insurance. What do you mean it's an act of God? We don't have any insurance. That's your normal, ordinary reaction, the way people react to disasters. If you take it as a work situation instead of a life situation, if you take it as work instead of life happening to you, then you see you have to be somewhat more conscious according to your level of understanding, whatever that may be. We can verify that taking a life situation in a work way rather than in the mechanical reactionary way changes our relation to the situation. It changes everything. Everything suddenly is just altered. It's all turned just a little bit so that everything is different. This is what we need force to do. Well, if you're squandering all your force in these petty little stupid mechanical things, well, I'm working, but I'm screwing in this light bulb. Well, I'm doing this, but I'm working. Your energy, your force is being squandered in the little thing. And then a, a, an event comes along, a situation comes along, you have no force left, you haven't retained your sense of I, your feeling of I, the situation comes along, you're swept away by it. Don't do that. We have to work from our certainties about the work. I don't care what your certainties are. If you are certain that you are not one, if you are certain that you are not awake, if you are certain that you cannot do, 
any one of those things, you don't have to be certain of all of them, any one of those things will do, then that can be your point from which you work. That can be your center of gravity. Use that. Don't worry about the other things. Don't fret about the other things. Lighten up. Let it go. Just use that. One good work idea that you are, about which you are certain, just one is better than 15 about which you have a, a doubt here or, well, that, I'm not quite sure. Well, I think it's that way. Well, he says it's that way, and it's probably that way. You see the difference? One thing that you're certain about is more important than 10 things that you're uncertain about. Let that be your center of gravity, because that is your center of gravity. Work from that place. That's your point in the work. For years, we work through borrowed force. Years. For years, we work through borrowed force. Where are you borrowing your force from? <laughs> Jennifer got this little smile on her face, like she just realized, where, where are you borrowing your force? From me. Yes, you borrow your force nine out of ten times from your teacher. You don't have any force of your own, none to speak of. You borrow it. But what happens with a good teacher is they start to withdraw their force because that's the only way for you to develop your own force. And if a good teacher, and what makes a good teacher a good teacher is he cares about his students. The important thing is that his students grow, that his students unfold, that his students become capable. That's important to a good teacher. I don't know what's important to other teachers, but that's important to a good teacher. So he must withdraw his force. Well, when he does that, it's a lot like being weaned when you're breastfed. You don't like it. You don't like it, and you keep looking for it. You keep trying to get it. And when you can't get it, you can get a little testy. In fact, you can get downright angry and nasty. Some people, this is where they fail. They get to this crucial point where they could grow, where they're right at the point where they could start to develop some force in themselves. But instead, when they're being weaned, they go and run to another teacher. They quit, they run to another teacher, and then they get to pick up where they left off, nursing. And it's a sad thing, but it happens more than it should in this work. More than it should in anything. Because we want what we want, and for all the world, it seems like that's the most important thing to us. And once we have decided that what we want is important to us, then we have become our own teacher. No one can talk to us then. Because we know what we want, and if we're not getting that, that's what we have to get so that we go get it. That's the beginning of the end. You may as well shoot yourself in the head as far as this work is concerned because you're not going anywhere in it. Yeah, we've got to find our own force to continue. When the force is withdrawn, people find another source rather than develop themselves. And so they stay in a perpetual nursing stage. They stay babies. Work ideas have life force in them. We nourish the work in ourselves by feeding on these ideas. There comes a time when you've got to stop being a parasite and nursing off your mother. Now, it doesn't have to happen all at once, but there comes a time when you've got to move to solid foods. You've got to start to break away from the breast, and you've got to start to move to solid foods. Now, you need teeth, it's true, and you need someone to help you to make that progress. That's the way it is for us. We aren't born ready to go like that. We take a long time to develop compared to other species. And there's a certain amount of training involved with mammals. And so we need to get that training. 
There comes a time when you must start to handle the ideas, where you must start to bring them up for yourself, where you must start to remember them, where you must use the tools that you've been given. You've been given, you've been given a knife, you've been given a fork, you've been shown how to cut it, you've been shown what to do with it, you can see how to get it to your mouth, and you know that you have to chew it. There comes a time when you have to start to do it. You're going to make mistakes. That's part of the process. It's like the Christmas story of the child being born and needing protection from King Herod and his army until he grows up and he can start to stand on his own. Remember the story? This little child is born of two parents who are not in their hometown. They're off traveling somewhere and they can't find a place, a proper place to give birth to the child. So they have, end up in a cave somewhere and they give birth to this child. But then the king, he hears about this child and he is very upset because this child has the potential of becoming a king, which means he would be supplanted. And he doesn't like that idea at all. So he sends his army to go and kill all the little children in that area. And the mother and father have to protect the child. The mother and father could very easily represent your intellectual and emotional centers that need to protect this work that's growing in you, these seeds, these ideas that have been planted in you that need to gain force, that need to be nourished, that need to grow so that they can stand on their own against the wicked world and against false personality that wishes its extinction. Our job is like Joseph and Mary, protect and nourish the growing child until he's strong enough to maintain his existence. Protect the work, nourish it. How? With the ideas is one way to nourish it. This is how will is drawn into the new thing that's growing in us. We'll go back to the story, the Christmas story. When you will to do, the work will, your work will passes through your knowledge. And both of them are changed. Both of them are, are enhanced. When you will to do something, it's not just an arbitrary thing that you intellectually decided. We talked about this last week. Why, why do we know better and act worse? We make decisions, but we can't do because there's no will. It was last week, because there's no will behind it. It's just a, an intellectual thing. And now what I'm saying is when you bring will into it, it acts with the intellect, and both things are then chained by coming into contact with each other. Insights, observations, and experiences that Mary has in this story establish and nourish this work child. So you remember somebody came to her and they said she, she brought the child to the temple to, uh, to offer sacrifices. And some old lady came up and said something to somebody else came up and they said something about the child. And Mary treasured these things in her heart. Do you remember that? She didn't really understand them, but she knew they had meaning. So she took them and she hid them away. And this is what you have to do. You have to treasure this work. Even though it's small now and it doesn't mean a lot, it has the potential for being everything and it needs to be valued and protected. Inner perception of the truth of work ideas is what nourishes the work in us. It's not enough to get the idea and go, oh yeah, that's right. You have to perceive the truth of it inside yourself. You have to become so intimate with that idea that you perceive the truth of it. These are the ideas that you're certain about. You have certainty. No one's going to convince you otherwise because you know it. You have perceived internally the truth of the idea. It doesn't need to be sold to you. It doesn't need to be fed to you. Nobody's got to cut that meat up and hand it to you. You know this one yourself. You own it. It's yours. This is the way these ideas need to become for us. And this is how will is drawn into the new thing. 
Your will to do the work, your will passes through your knowledge that you have of the work, and both of them increase. Your will and your knowledge of the work both increase. How does your knowledge of the work increase? Become certain. How does your will increase? It's been employed and it's been joined to a work idea. So it increases. When the work in us becomes stronger than life, the machine reverses and it's driven from the opposite end. Right now, we're driven from the life end. Life acts on us, we react. What we want is to be driven from the other end. Real I decides, and then we act accordingly. We're not operating that way now. We're operating driven by life. We're trying to change that. And when the work becomes strong enough, it'll happen. For us, it's a matter of how to keep it alive long enough until it can become active. For us, it's not a matter of, well, I'll just make the work active and I'll make all these decisions. No, that's not where we're at. We have to admit where we're at. Where we're at is we are driven by life and we don't want to be sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. because mostly when we're driven by life, we're digging it. Yeah, I like these negative emotions. These are good. You deserve that and I feel good about it. That is not driven by real eye. That's driven by life. So for us, it's a matter of how to keep it alive long enough. There are many eyes, Herod and the army, who hate the work because of the threat to their order, to their position, to their authority, to how they have things. Don't let doubting, slanderous, sneering eyes attack the new thing that is forming in you. Nourish the small work in you and guard it from the forces in life that wish to destroy it because they know what it means before you do. See, life knows what this work means long before you do. And that's why it tries to destroy it. Life knows, false personality knows who this work is. In the same way that the demons used to scream out when Jesus came around. I know who you are, son of God. Have you come to torment me before my time? No, your time has come, it's your time. But for us, our time is, it isn't our time. For us, we're still struggling in the demon-possessed valley. For us, we're still fighting the fight. For us, we're, we're still trying to push away the negative emotions that crawl all over us, that run us. For us, if we can just keep this work alive long enough for it to get strong, then we're going to have a chance. Then we'll have some hope. Then we have something. But right now, what we have is very weak, very small, and it must be protected. You can't allow anything to come in and tear it down with doubts and fears and anxieties and depression and negativity, like, oh, I'm just not doing it right. This is why we say don't work for results, because they're so hit and miss right now. If you work for results, you get too easily discouraged. Work for the work's sake. Love and protect this small growing thing in you. If you will do that, it will reward you beyond anything that you can imagine now. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.